Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And we're starting a new series, um, two sermons entitled Terra Nova, New Land, New Beginning, Fresh Start. So this will be the first and the second last sermon in the series, (laughs) but that's okay. If you put um, Terra Nova into Google and you hit images, you get all these um, business icons and cosmetic lines and self-help books. It seems like everyone's interested in a new start. And why wouldn't you want to be? You don't want to stay where you are. You want to move to the next level. And if you had a great 2019, you know, the 2020s are going to be even better. Next level stuff. Let's build on, on where we've been. One of the pictures that came up, I was just trying to save myself typing the words Terra Nova, but I thought, nice to have it in a picture. And this graphic came up, and some of you might recognise it. That's actually Pangea in the, in the middle, the original Earth. Um, it came from a 2011 TV series of the same name. Who remembers Terra Nova back in 2011? Great. <laughs> that one. That was less enthusiastic, Mel, from the 8 o'clock. But, uh, yeah, six of us. And, and it lasted for a couple of months. It seemed to go on and on for a long time. And it was the story about a single family, the Shannon family, who lived in the 22nd century. And the earth was overpopulated. It was hyper-polluted. And the government found a way to go back in time to before people when the earth was fresh and new, so that you could make a new start, basically, if you went through this and the Shannon family went through it. And interestingly enough, the pilot series was called Genesis. And in Genesis 6, in the scriptures, God does the same thing. He takes a single family, realising that the earth was over-polluted with evil in our hearts. He decides it's time for a do-over. I need to reset everything. So he took one family, lifted them up, reset the earth, stuck them back down again. Of course, we're talking about Noah's family. Had a fresh start. So Terra Nova for us is a new beginning, a fresh beginning. Everything is clean. Everything is new. Everything is is ready to go. Before we start... I need to address the elephant in the room, and because it's Noah's Ark, there's two elephants. It's the only way you make a lot of other elephants. And that is about, about the story. Is it, a, is it a story? Is it a children's story? Or is there something real about it? Now, my default with the Bible is it's all real, unless Jesus tells me he's telling a parable or something like that. It's all real, because once you throw something into doubt over here, you throw the whole thing into doubt. Well, what, what is a story and what isn't? And if it's a real account, that means there's real applications that work back then that we could now use here, which is really important. But the problem was I was a school teacher, and um, I used to... Sometimes we put the flood in the too hard basket. We believe it, but there's a lot of funky questions that students can ask. And so I was a year seven core teacher way back at the start, and my students would say, okay, did, were there dinosaurs on the ark? Or they'd say, what about cockroaches? 
why didn't we just step on one and save us all a whole mess of trouble and expense? And I had a student who said, what about the fish? I said, what? What about the fish? Were there aquariums on the ark? And I said, no, they're just swimming around in the flood and the debris, I suppose, dodging trees and boulders and, and things. And the student said, well, was it salt water in the flood? Because what happened to the freshwater fish then? And if it was freshwater, what happened to the saltwater fish? Maybe it was brackish. I don't know. What percentage do you think, sir, either way? So I went, oh, my goodness. I'm going to have to look into this um, a little bit. So, firstly, I believe the story. It has world... It was impacted um, worldwide. I know that because it says in Genesis that um, it covered the highest mountaintops by 15 cubits. Now, you wouldn't have to specify that if it wasn't a real story, would you? You could just say anything. 15 cubits above the highest mountains. Now, to me, that covers the whole world. If it's above the highest mountain, just by liquid doing its, its kind of thing. Also, God says at the end of it all, I will never again flood the earth this way and destroy life. There's been floods since. There's been tens of thousands of floods. So if, unless it was a worldwide flood and he said, I'm never going to do that again, God hasn't kept to his word because we have seen floods since then. On the next slide, though, I shared this with my students. What we see here is that this story about a worldwide flood is all around the world. It seems everyone in the world knows about the worldwide flood, so it's probably a worldwide flood, otherwise it wouldn't get around the world, <laughs> if that makes sense. But it's not just the story of a big boat on water. The components of the story actually line up. So what you see there in the left-hand column, if you squint, are all the bits about the story. And along the top, the horizontal, are all the nations that cultures, countries that agree with the account. If there's a box, it's a full representation of the biblical idea of what's represented in scriptures. A triangle is a partial. If there's a space, they don't have that bit in their story. They just missed out. Someone forgot that little bit. So let's just review the story. So just working down the, right, down the column, we have people in, in sin, in evil. God steps in to destroy everything, but there's a favoured family. Noah found grace in God's eyes. Um, Noah built an ark. There was destruction by water. Noah's family was saved. Animals were saved. The destruction was universal. They landed on a mountaintop. Birdies were sent out to find dry land. The survivors worshipped God. I think heavens were out of that thing, out of the ark. And there was divine favour on the saved. There was a covenant made and there was a rainbow put in the sky. That's a lot to line up across the world. You couldn't have different cultures. Oh, we just thought of the same story with all the same bits in the same order. So that's very encouraging to, to me. Definitely a true story with real-life applications, but I thought I'd look into some of the geological processes as well because I knew I'd have students that would annoy me with that. <clears throat> so here we go on the next slide. Basically, we're, when we're talking about geological processes, we're looking for evidence of a lot of wet stuff together, dropped, all at the same time. So, top left-hand corner, polystrata 
fossils, which is a funky name just for something that's in stone amidst a whole lot of other layers. If it's not, something's not buried quickly, it can't become a fossil. It has to be buried quickly. And so when you've got a fossil like a tree, we see the tree trunk there, and all these different, this amount of soil on either side, all that soil must have been deposited in the one go, in the one heap, to fossilise the trees. It's interesting when we find this, because this is a little bit of a freak of nature. It's like flipping a coin, going for a head or tail, but the coin lands on its side. So you can imagine trees and boulders and animals and leaves and clay and pummeling around together in a big water cataclysmic event. And as it comes to rest, the tree goes like that, straight up and down. So it pokes through the strata. And sometimes you have the root systems at the top if they land upside down or whatever. But it's good evidence that everything has landed together. Top right-hand corner is folding of sedimentary rock. Now, this isn't volcanic. This isn't folding because it's molten. This is sedimentary sand, clay, little microscopic pieces. And what you find is when soil comes to rest, it finds itself into layers. And we do that experiment at school. We just get some soil out of one of the garden beds, fill it with water, put it in a jar, shake it up, leave it, and within 10 minutes you see strata. Heavy stuff falls to the bottom really, really quickly. Stuff that floats stays on the top. And everything in between, according to its density, forms lines, usually of different colours. And it happens really, really quickly. So what we see in this picture, and it's, it's a massive amount of stuff in New Zealand, and there's a little tower on top, but all of that sedimentary rock was deposited at the same time. It was allowed to settle but there's still pressure coming in, maybe from water, from other soil, and it's buckled. Just like having a layer of red plasticine, green plasticine, um, yellow, and then you, you push it, you bend it. It doesn't crack because it hasn't set. It's still wet. It just folds, forms nice little cute arches. All that was deposited in one go and bent while it was still wet. Bottom right-hand corner, we also find fossil graveyards. There's plenty of fossils around the place. But did you know that there's a lot of fossils that have whole groups of animals? So you can see this cataclysmic event. A lot of water, a lot of soil, boulders, trees, and it will pick up a whole herd of animals, pummel them together, bury them quickly in one group, and they're all the same. We have lots of evidence of the same creatures dying together. Now, if I was an antelope, and there are a few antelopes over here that were dead, you, know, you wouldn't wander out and go, oh, there's a few of my species that seem to have carked it. You know what? I'm not feeling well today. I might just hang over here, just in case, then we can all be together. It doesn't happen like that. It's something big that causes whole herds of animals to be put together. And uh, bottom left-hand corner, there's a few people that um, believe they've found Noah's Ark. It's been found several times now in several different places. <laughs> Actually, one of the most recent hoaxes, interesting look, bit of mountain with an arky-shaped thing on it, 
um, everyone got excited about it on, on YouTube, and the person who put it together said, it's actually um, some rocks at the back of my house, and it was a dog biscuit. He put a dog biscuit in there and took a photograph of it. Um, so I, my personal feeling is that the ark doesn't exist anymore. It's not there, but there's a lot of people that put their faith in. They think that they've, they've found it. The main reason I don't think the ark is around anymore is because they would have got off the ark and thought, wow, everything's gone. Where are we going to find some timber to build houses and things? <laughs> Get the claw hammer. That's just me. So gradually I got my kids to accept the, the story of the ark, which of course is true. On the next slide, I really feel in my spirit that 2020 isn't just something new. You know, we use these new years as a little bit of a marker. They've got a new number in it. Instead of the one and the nine, there's a two and an O. So if I do something, I can remember back that that's when I made the change. That's when I started doing something, or that's when I stopped doing something. But I have this real sense that for us corporately and for us individually, there is something different about 2020. Something fresh, something new, something you haven't tried before. And so here's just some differences. I've put some verses in there. I won't unpack them all. Differences between the pre-flood and the post-flood. I don't want to appear as a flood nut. I know some people get right into it and you've got the flat earth society and... Um, we have reduced lifespans. We had rain for the first time. Different climate and four seasons. And that little diagram shows that water canopy that was, was above the earth at creation. The possibility for people to eat meat. Apparently we were all vegetarians before then. And God said after the flood, said to Noah... The, the fear of you will be put into all these creatures, but basically they are all food for you. So they will run, because they're scared, but if you can run faster, they're yours. They're yours. Okay. On the next slide, just a few, um, a few details about the ark. I found this interesting. We all know the story. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Um, the waters came down from above, came up from the earth. All in all, once Noah completed building the ark and went in, the waters increased for 150 days. You can see that through steps 2, 3, and 4, through Genesis 7. <coughs> from Genesis 8, the waters start to recede, and it takes 150 days for the water to recede. That seems plausible, doesn't it? Up in 150, down in 150 and the ark came to rest. But then, in Genesis 8, towards the end, we see that the earth needed to dry out for 70 days. 150 days, 150 days, 70 days, 370 days. That's a year with your relatives. <laughs> on a boat. That's a year. A lot can happen in a year. And a lot happened, no doubt, in your 2019. A lot of good, bad, ugly, and everything in between. And some of us might be excited about uh, leaving 2019 behind. Some of us um, really enjoyed it and hoping that it continues in 2020, which it will, but it will be different. 
Just like Noah, God has given us a new start. Not just a new year, but a new decade. Terra Nova. New land. How do you successfully make a, a new start? Some of you are going through this process right now. A recent divorce, start of a new job. Maybe you're newly married or you've got a new bub. You might have lost someone. Moved into the area. Maybe this is your first time here. And you're keen to meet some people. Starting retirement. Kids have left home. Mine did that and I started again. Maybe you just got saved. Maybe you're in the process of overcoming an addiction. But the decade that comes up, it will have highs and lows. But there's mountaintop experiences on Ararat that we can use every single day. Every single day of our lives. So let's have a look at, um, at some of the things that Noah got up to. You know, um, Genesis 6 and 7, there's a lot of application there, but I, I don't believe we're, we're at that point. I think we've all been faithful. We've heard from God. God's been getting us to build. We've been building. We've been sticking animals on the ark. This now is about what happens when we come out on the mountaintop. Genesis 8.1. God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. And he sent a wind over the earth and the waters receded. Now, when God remembers, it doesn't mean he forgets. So he wasn't there going, wow, the flood's done it all. And, oh, humanity's gone, all the stuff they were getting up to. I tell you what, gee, what a relief. No, it's still there. Someone turn the tap off. Get the plug. Get the plug. That didn't happen. When God remembers in the Bible, that means he draws close in a saving action. So he remembered Noah, he drew close, and he let the waters recede. He drew close to Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah and provided a way out. And when the Israelites were in Egypt and they were in slavery, God remembered. God drew near, God provided Moses, and he provided a way out for them in a saving action. So God remembers you. God remembers you in the 2020s which means he's drawing close to you, which means if you think you are distant from God, you've moved away. Now's the time to come back. Draw close to God. He wants to draw close to you. He hasn't forgotten you. You have a place and a purpose. If you've got a pulse, you've got a place and a purpose. See? There you go. Still happening. Genesis 15 to 16. Then God said to Noah, come out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. And you haven't come out of ark, but you've, you've come out of Christmas, haven't you? With your extended family. Come out of New Year's with your extended family. And for some of us, it's a wonderful experience. For some of us, it's like itching powder in your wetsuit. And Paul says he had someone in his church that was like a thorn in his side. And let's, let's face it, for some of us, there are some people in churches and being with them, it might be me, being with them is like being slapped about the head with a whole rose bush. But, but that's, how we, that's how we do family. 
That's how we, we grow together. But can you imagine being cooped up with your extended family for a year on the boat? Got a good idea, everyone? Let's hire a boat and we'll just go out as a family. Looks like uh, there's a lot of flooding around. We might have to hang around for a year or so. Who would like to be with their extended family for a year? <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Both of you. <laughs> and at the end of it, you might have been thinking like Noah. I've just I've had enough of this. It's like being cooped up with animals all this time. Not quite that bad. But, um, you know... After they got off the ark, Noah could have gone one way and the, the family sort of dispersed. That would help to sort of repopulate the earth rather than hang together. But um, God didn't save a person. He saved a family. And Noah was wise enough to realize to make this fresh start, we have to work together. We were made for each other. We were made for community. We were made for church. I don't think this side of heaven will understand how, how much we need each other, how we're so intimately built to need to communicate and look backward and forward at each other in conversation and working things out. Even just nature, the fact that we breathe out carbon dioxide and trees breathe in carbon dioxide and breathe out oxygen and we breathe in the oxygen, we're just built for this planet. We're built to be a part of it. We're not built to be on our own to um, live in a shell or to be an island. And that's, that's often our first response. I don't, that, I don't trust that person anymore. I'm never going to trust anyone ever again. And the reality is, if you can't trust someone, find two people to trust over here and then go back and see if you can trust that person again. Because we're meant to be together. There's no lone rangers in church. Some of us have tried it. Can't get into church, I just watch it on the, on the telly. It doesn't work. I used to watch The Lone Ranger when I was um, a kid. Used to get in a lot of trouble, The Lone Ranger. Every flipping episode, always getting into trouble. How many times did he get himself out of it? None. Who got him out? Tonto. Tonto got him out. Here are your tontos. Here are the people you go to when you get stuck. I remember hearing a story long, long ago about a, a minister that visited one of his parishioners, hadn't been to church for a long, long time, and they just sat together in front of the fire watching the coals. Presently, one of the coals popped out, and it was white hot, and it came out, rolled onto the floor, went from white to red, went from red to orange. Might have got my colours mixed up. White to orange, then to red. And then it just went cold and turned grey. And the minister reached down, got the fire stick, flicked it back into the fire, and it went orange. And then it went red, and then it went white hot again. And the man stood up and he said, I'm going to come back to church on Sunday because that is the best sermon you have preached in the last 10 years. <laughs> Stay in church. <laughs> okay. Genesis 20 to 22. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. My response, getting out of the ark after a year, looking around, there's no people, not much at all, sheer panic. 
would grip me. Got to find a 7-Eleven quickly. Annette, um, see if you could find an Ibis so that we can stay somewhere that hasn't got animal dung in it. Um, is anybody getting Wi-Fi? I've got no signal at all. And of course, Noah wouldn't do that because he doesn't have the technology, but he'd be looking around going, oh my goodness, we've got so much to clear, so much to do, so much mess. We've got to eat, we've got to get those crops sown. We've got to get some shelters made. I think I'll pull apart the ark. We'll, we'll do that. His first response, though, was to build an altar to God. It doesn't say that he prayed as he unloaded all the animals. It says he stopped. He built an altar. He made a place, a time, when he could meet with God, communicate, and have relationship with him. And that's what we need in our lives. We need to establish a regular pattern of that for 2020. A time and a place where we read his word, we spend time in prayer, and we worship him, as we have been doing. Building an altar is an act of worship, and we've done that this morning. You can make all the New Year's resolutions you want. They won't come to much unless you've got a prayer life, a life of regular worship. And if you've got that established, it's going to make every part of your life better. You'll be a better employee, better husband, better wife, better father, better mother. Everything will start to fall into place. Hebrews 13, 15 to 16. This is how it might look. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. Continually. The fruit of lips that openly profess his name and do not forget to do good and share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. He's so pleased when we just do good and we just share. That's an easy sacrifice to do, isn't it? And when we sacrifice, listen to this. This is God's response. God's response wasn't good. I'll tick that off the list. Yeah, you've been in your prayer closet. Okay, that works. It says this, the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood, and never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. Noah's act of worship moved the heart of God. He made a covenant. We should be so grateful for Noah's prayer, shouldn't we, for act of worship. We may not be building in large, we might be building another ark otherwise. It was that act of worship where the Lord said, I'm so moved, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to put a rainbow in the sky to remind us about that. And your act of worship, it moves God. He wants relationship with you. He wants to know everything about you. He wants to be involved in every aspect of your life. On the final slide, there's the rainbow. Imagine sitting there looking over your 2020, imagining the possibilities. Terra Nova, looking at that new land, all the places you'll go, all the things you'll do. It's fresh, it's new, and it's just waiting for you. you know, the ark is very different from a boat. Boats tend to get you places from A to B. Noah didn't have an outboard or oars. Arks just rise above it. All the, the evil that was being washed away, all the devastation, the ark just rose up above it. The ark is a Christ type. And in the New Testament, it, it tells us to, to be in Christ, like in an ark. Because we're 
There's a lot of evil in this world. There's a lot of injustice. And we're called to be in the world, but we're not of the world. We can be in it. We can fight for it. But in Christ, we can rise above it as well so it doesn't pollute us. And I love the, when you look at the rainbow, it's like the warrior king, the warrior god hanging up his bow saying, I'm not going to do that again. It's, it's hung up. I'm not getting rid of it. It's still there, but it's hung up. All that devastation that poured down and wiped out the sin of the earth. What a sacrifice. What a loss. But to me, the bow, the rainbow, that should always be notched with an arrow, it's pointing upwards now. It's pointing to the heavens. That's where the next sacrifice was to come from. And we know that sacrifice was Jesus. There's a passage in, in 1 Peter 3, 20 to 21. To those who were disobedient long ago, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built, in it only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you haven't been baptised and you've been thinking about it, I believe this is your year. Now is the time. The chance to, to drown all that rubbish and stuff in your life, to drown the old man and to come out of the flood waters, fresh and new, ready for a new start. So as you look at that picture and you get ready to step onto the fresh, pristine land of 2020, remember that God has not forgotten you. He draws close. Draw close to Him. Establish a regular time to meet with God. Build that altar. And for us, this is our main mountaintop experience, coming to church on a Sunday. This is the first altar in your place, in your hearts. Do not give up on meeting together and doing community each week. We need each other. Don't be a lone ranger. Reach out. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for that grace and that mercy. Lord, all the things that, that we've done and your forgiveness you've given us a new start a new year, a new decade and we're not going to waste it Lord we're so excited about it all the new stuff all the stuff that we're giving away and all the twists and exciting turns that you have for us they're unexpected but so joyful all the stretchy stuff that we need as well Lord, the, the 1920s were known as the Roaring Twenties. Let the 2020s be the roaring of the Lion of Judah in our lives. Not just new, not just new digits on the calendar, but a new us. New stuff, changes, things that we build and put in place, Lord. And while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, if you don't know Jesus... 
but you know you've been living in the middle of it, of this world. And the stuff in your life seems to be climbing higher and higher and it's, it's getting to the point and it's, you feel like it's choking you. You want to rise above it. You want a fresh start. You want to reset your life and start again. Terra Nova. New land, new beginning. Would you just slip your hands up? Your hand in the air if you want this to be fresh start for you in relationship with Jesus, your creator, your redeemer. Just put your hand in the air. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. If you responded to that, just say amen at the end of this prayer. Lord Jesus, I want to be in Christ. I want to be rising above it all. I want to look around me and all I see is you. Lord, I thank you that as the Son of God, you made that sacrifice. You were that sacrifice that came from heaven. You died on that cross for our sins. You rose to life in three days. Forgiveness for sins and eternal life with you. Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.